Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search. My name is Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my goal to bring you thought leaders that can help you in either your job search or just in your everyday lives. So today, I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Michael Levitt. He is the founder and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, a San Diego and Toronto-based burnout media firm. We're going to learn more about what that means here in just a minute. He's the one of the world's leading authorities in burnout recovery and prevention. He is also a Fortune 500 consultant, so he's got some creds behind him, number one best-selling author, and host of The Breakfast Leadership Show, a top 200 podcast on iTunes. Today, he joins us to discuss the causes of workplace burnout and the steps you can take to prevent it from happening to you. Michael, I am so excited that you decided to join me today. Great to be with you, Casey. You know, I mean, one of the first things that I like to do is let our guests know how I met my wonderful guest. And so I'm curious, do you remember how we met? It was via an introduction and there's been so many introductions you gave me. I'm, I'm having them <laughs> reversed. At first, I was going to say Bob Berg. I'm like, no, you introduced me to Bob Berg, but yes. I knew Bob Berg. And it, so, it, uh, yeah, it, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I could, to, I could, I'll yeah, put you out of your misery. Sorry. Yeah, so I, don't, I, I could pull up my CRM and find out because I have it noted there, but that would be rude during the interview. I don't need to be typing while I'm doing this. That's pretty cool, though, that you keep up with that in your CRM, but we met through Givitas. There you go. Thank you. Yes, and I had actually commented on Sarah Elkins. She was looking mm -hmm. for a podcast to be guest on, and you commented on her, and then somehow we got to talking because we were both offering mm -hmm. to have her on the podcast. So I thought mm -hmm. that was really, really cool. I love that platform. Yeah, yeah it, it is great. I've, I've helped out a lot of people on it, and I've you know, received help as well. And I think the last post I put on there was actually – looking for some help for somebody else. It wasn't for me. It was just like somebody reached out and I said, you know what, I'm going to ask this group that I'm a part of and just see what kind of feedback I get. And, you know, received several responses. So passed them along and did the introduction and, and stepped out of the way. It was just one of those things where someone asked, and I said, that would be a good question to ask that group. And it, it wasn't to benefit me directly, but it indirectly it did because it allowed me to give. And that's that's what it's all about. And I think, okay, first of all, I have to point out, Bob Berg got his mention in this podcast, which he does almost every podcast for The Go-Giver. Um, so there you go, Bob. That's your, that's your moment today. There you go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, I love the platform. It's, a given, it's based on the give and take philosophy, the reciprocity ring, uh, Dr. Wayne Baker and Adam Grant, and just an amazing, amazing platform for so many different groups. So, but we are here to talk about you today. And so I want to learn, I, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know that's kind of a generic question, but how did you get to be chief burnout officer? A long story, which I will keep concise for the format of this show. <laughs> uh, 
back in 2007, I was a healthcare executive, and over the next couple of years, I was completely burned out. Uh, I just was not taking care of myself physically, mentally. Uh, it was just a big mess, and it all led up to what I refer to as my year of worst-case scenarios, where in a period of 369 days from May 2009 to May 2010, I had a heart attack that should have killed me. I lost my job during the Great Recession. My car was repossessed, and my home was foreclosed all in a year. Wow. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it gave me an opportunity to pause and go, well, that was not a lot of fun, but I'm still alive. I'm still here. There must be a reason for this. I need to take some deep, deep time and start focusing on how, one, how I burned out, get back to a normal state, and then more importantly, do the deep work to figure out why did I burn out? What was I doing that led to my burnout? Which I did. I did that over a couple of years. And then my career started to take off uh, back in healthcare, ironically. My parents wanted to have me committed. They're like, you're going back to the career that almost killed you? I said, I'm going to do it better this time. And I did. And I was quite successful in that. And as I was reinventing myself and getting back to the best version of me, I started looking around and I noticed all of my colleagues and peers in the healthcare sector were burning out and it scared me. And I thought, okay, I need to do something about this because I figured out how to one, live a life that's not of being a burned out person, but also how to prevent it. And I started talking to people about it and they said, well, you know, we're just going to work through it. And I'm like, I said the same thing and ended up with two stents in my artery. So I don't think I would want anybody else to go through what I did. So I said, like, I need to do something a little bit more official with this. So I started writing about it, researching it, and then realized, you know what? This is a consulting firm that I have that I'm creating. So let's go ahead and form a corporation, get a business started, start doing some consulting. And, and that's how uh, the Breakfast Leadership Network was launched. That is an amazing story. And I think it leads right into my first question. So you know, how can an employee, you, you talk about that they were burning out, but how can they recognize when they are experiencing burnout and how can an employer recognize it within his team? And, you know, what are some of the signs we should be looking for? A, a big sign, both as an individual and if your employer may or may not know this, but as an individual, if you are not sleeping well, and this mm -hmm goes over a period of time, that could be a warning sign. Uh, with me, I wasn't sleeping well. I was getting eight hours of sleep, but it wasn't deep sleep. And the problem with burnout is you need to sleep every day. You need good, restful sleep because we do damage to our bodies on a daily basis. doesn't matter how healthy we are, 0% body fat, we run all day long, We all of these things, we could be the optimum specimen of a human being. We still do damage to our bodies on a daily basis. And when we sleep, our body repairs that damage we do. If you don't get deep sleep, your body doesn't repair that damage. So guess what? Today's damage will now get piled onto tomorrow's damage and the next day and the next day and the next day. And that takes a physical toll and that can help you get clogged arteries or have a stroke or a variety of other different challenges that you may face. Another sign that happens is if you start becoming forgetful or making mistakes at work, 
and this is not your normal mode of operation, that can be a sign both from your employer seeing you and yourself. You might be forgetful on a, a variety of different things. You're like, why am I so forgetful? Why am I in such a fog? Uh, and another big sign that I should have seen when I was burned out but ignored it was a lack of motivation. And it's not that motivation of I don't feel like going to work. It was a case of I wasn't motivated to do things in life that I actually enjoyed doing. And a key example was at that time I was living in Windsor, Ontario, across the border from Detroit, and I was a season ticket holder for the Detroit Tigers. And that was when, you know, they went to the World Series in 06 and they were really good, you know, for a few years. And I would go to a lot of the games. Well, towards the approaching of my heart attack date, I quit going to the games. I've loved baseball since the 70s. It's always been my favorite sport. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that they're playing now, even though it's a weird kind of schedule, but I'm thrilled that they're playing, but I quit going to games. And if you would have said to me, you know, maybe 10 years before, you're gonna have season tickets to go to baseball, something you've always wanted to do, and you're not gonna wanna go. I would have looked at you and like, what are you talking about? I'm gonna do everything I can to go but I just quit going because I lost the motivation in life. And the final one that is a really big sign that you see is if you become more irritable and you're short with people, not only with your employer, your boss, but maybe your loved ones as well. Those are some key warning signs that you're burned out. Interesting. And kind of going back to the sleep thing, you mentioned, and I find this interesting, that you were getting eight hours of sleep a night, but it wasn't good sleep. Yeah, lots of tossing and turning and waking up in the middle of the night and uh, just I wasn't getting consistent long bouts of sleep. Did you ever use any kind of sleep app like um, like I, the one I'm familiar with is Sleep Cycle that kind of monitors your sleep patterns and how much how, how good a sleep you're getting? Uh, those apps weren't, I don't think, around during this time, and I wouldn't have used them back then. I, I definitely use different apps now to help me with my sleep, and I sleep really good. I mean, there might be some nights where I may not sleep as well, and I keep a journal, and that journal is obviously my thoughts, but it's also a food journal. So if I notice that I'm not feeling well over a period of time, I will look and see what kind of food I'm eating, what am I doing during the day, because there's clues and I notice certain foods I have an intolerance to mm -hmm. and that's something I go okay and now I know why I didn't sleep well because I ate that stuff and then I just make the decision well what's more important a restful night of sleep or that really tasty food that I just ate and <laughs> and 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 that is a day-by-day -day decision what am I thinking hmm, I really want it it's like well so much for sleep I'll take a nap <laughs> That's awesome. That's so interesting. So what do you think the top three causes of burnout are? I think the biggest cause of burnout, and there's obviously more than three, but I think the top one for me that I find time and time again with people is a lack of personal boundaries. Mm -hmm. They don't have boundaries around when they work and when they don't. They don't have boundaries in their personal life with family or friends or loved ones. Um, they, they overcommit themselves and they say yes to a lot of things. And when I'm working with people or talking with people that are burned out and recovering from it, they feel bad. They start in you know, a lot of self-doubt and guilt and all that. And I tell them, don't do that. You, you, we walk around with ourselves from the day we're born till the day we die. We don't walk around with anybody else longer than our own self. So we have to love ourselves and take care of ourselves. So by 
overcommitting, the challenge is many of the things that people commit to are great things. They're not stupid or foolish. They're, they make a lot of sense. But the problem is we only have so many hours in a day to do the things we need to do. And we overcommit to ourselves and we say, yes, I'll take on that additional project or yes, I'll, I'll do that in this at home or whatever the case may be. And without asking themselves, okay, if I'm saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? It's a yes, no equation. And sometimes I would tell people, you got to say no more than yes, but that's dangerous because um, you got to be careful who you say no to. You got to negotiate and it really depends on the circumstances. But the, the lack of boundaries is a big one. Um, and, and coupled with that is, is the self-care um, and scheduling time for things that we love to do. We try to squeeze into our calendar things that are good for us, whether it's exercise or having coffee with a friend or going out for dinner or whatever. We find time in our calendar to do that. What I ask people to do is flip their calendar upside down and schedule those things first. Mm. Work will find time. It, I guarantee it. It will find time in your calendar. Your personal well-being time, if you don't put that in first, you're not going to put it in. And that's a huge challenge that I see with a ton of people that are burning out. And nutrition is a big thing in, in inputs. And, and what I mean by inputs is obviously the food you eat, but also the information you consume. We all know at the time of this recording, there's apparently an election in the United States. So that's coming up and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So there's a lot of people that are really stressed right now and they're consuming a lot of this news. And if you consume a lot of negative news and unfortunately doesn't matter what flavor news you watch, it's all negative. There's not a lot of positive things being shared right now. If you continue to eat negative things, it weighs on you. So I always recommend people basically kind of filter out their news as much as they can. Don't live in a cave by any stretch, but Consume as little as you can to be informed, but don't wear it because that negativity will eat at you and cause you to stress and worry and anxious and depression and everything else that happens. I, I think that's amazing advice. And, it, you know, you reminded me of a quote, and I believe it was Warren Buffett that said this, that he said one of the reasons he's so successful, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that he says no more than he says yes. And so yeah. yeah. It, it's crucial and it's and you could do it in a way that's not rude or condescending to people um, you, you and you don't have to feel necessarily justified to explain yourselves and I, I identify as a reform people pleaser and because that was that led up to my burnout too because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings so I'd say yeah I'll do it I'll do it and I wouldn't delegate at work and all of these other things and it got to the point where you know, obviously you overload yourself and obviously nearly killed me. So I realized, well, I can't do that again. So now I have to make sure I have to take care of myself first. You know, just like they tell us on the airplanes, put on the oxygen mask first. That's what I had to do. I have to make sure that I'm the best version of me first. Then that way, when I do give and help people, they're getting a much better version of me because I'm full, I'm energized, and I have the time and the capacity to do the things that people are asking me to do. And, and I think that is so important. I, you know, just taking care of yourself and I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. If not, you know, really like I will fill up my calendar 
till from mm -hmm. until late at night if I let myself. And I have to set personal boundaries to say, okay, I'm going to quit working at this time because I need to, I want to go read a book. Mm -hmm. And, and I will tell you, I don't watch the news at all. <laughs> you're not, you're not missing a lot. And yeah, well. you, I'm, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're fully aware of what's going on in the world and what's going on in, in the U S and the state you're in and you're, you're aware. So yeah. it's not a case where you won't know you, you can pick up the news from, I use, you know, Google news. You can use Yahoo news or other places mm -hmm. to get your news feeds. I, I do recommend that you go with something that is as neutral as it can be. Because if you go to one media outlet versus another one, it's going to be slanted one way or the other. And I'm not being judgmental on that, but it tends to also be negative where a lot of these news feeds tend to be, here's the facts, this is what's happened, the number of COVID cases in Texas are this today, or this is that. And I just find it it's easier. You can look at it and go, okay, I know what's going on with that. And then I can step back into whatever else I was doing. Yeah, I think that that's very true. And I think that I am probably a much happier person because I don't absorb that negativity. So, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. So burnout increases negativity. What kind of effects does this have on a company culture? On a company culture, it really impacts and a lot of organizations don't necessarily think that at first because it's not an easy line item on a financial statement, you know, mm -hmm. burnout expense. Okay. $16,712. No, it, it, I wish it was that clear because then it would be great. But what happens is when you have people that are burned out, their productivity is lower because they don't have the energy or the clarity to do their roles the best way they can without mistakes. Absenteeism goes through the roof because you know, mm. they get sick. You know, the, you talk to any benefits provider and they'll tell you that the number of mental health claims are going through the roof. Most doctor's office visits, obviously before the pandemic, but definitely now are stress related. Uh, there's over 20 chronic diseases that has stress as a common element as the cause of that chronic disease. So it's it's a huge, huge problem. So what happens is when you have employees that are stressed, they're not their best. So they're not creating their best. So guess what? Your product or service isn't the best it could be. And if it's one person, that's one thing. But if it permeates through a department or through your whole organization, you have a huge challenge. And especially now with the working from home situation and we're hearing about burnout and working from home, monster.com did a survey and 69% of those surveyed identify as being burned out. So seven out of 10 of your employees are burned out according to that stat. Uh, that is a pandemic within a pandemic. That is a huge problem. Um, and the concern is, and I see this a lot, is employees don't feel that their organization is doing enough to address it. Employers are saying our employees aren't coming to us to tell us what's going on. So congratulations, once again, the world's problems all boil down to communication. And I tell people, and, and, and this is what we're seeing a lot too, a lot of, especially with the Zoom fatigue and everything else, employees are afraid to say, hey, I'm stressed out from all of this work. Could you, you know, ease up a little bit or could we do a little bit less because of all the things that are going on? They're afraid to do that because they don't want to lose their job. And I get that. 
you don't want to lose your job during any type of recession or economic downturn because, as you know, um, the number of jobs is less. Doesn't mean you can't find a job in the middle of a recession or a pandemic. People are getting hired every day. Yes, they are. Um, they are. Um, my better half switched roles two months ago. So I was like, I said, we'll put that on the on the accomplishment list. You you got a new job during a pandemic. You, you can tell the great grandkids, you know, many years down the road and say, hey, here you go. Congratulations. You know, back in 2000. No, no. <laughs> She'll yell at me for making fun of her that way. Uh, but but at the end of the day, it it boils down to organizations need to communicate. They need to walk the walk as well, uh, especially during a pandemic. I, I see a lot of organizations try to basically do the square peg round hole situation where they're trying to use how we did business in this current state and they don't line up. I mean, they might depending on your organization a little bit, but things have changed and what worked before isn't working now and it may not work ever again. So you have to be agile as an employer and communicate with your team and, and have more of a collaborative uh, approach to what needs to be done right now? And I've had conversations with employers and asked them, so, you know, what are your clients telling you? Well, we haven't been engaging them as much as we thought we would. And it's like, right now, you should be reaching out to every one of your customers and asking them, what do you need from us right now? Don't worry about that big project that you've had lined up that's been going on for a couple of years. What do you need now? And then as an employer, collaborate with your employees and say, okay, this is what our clients say they need. Can we do that? Can we work together on this? How can we do this? And be creative on this. And there are some organizations that are doing that, but there are others that unfortunately are just Zoom fatiguing their employees saying, okay, we're going to have you know eight Zoom calls a day. And you're thinking, okay, when am I going to be able to get work done? And and, and as we all know, there's so many of these employees that have children, so they've been full-time school teachers during this pandemic as well. So you, you pile that on, they're working with their spouses, the dog's wondering why the heck they're still home. It's, 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 a, it's a, been a big challenge for so many people. Yeah, it absolutely has. And I, and I love that you brought that up because, I mean, really, I mean, you know, we work with companies all the time and the majority of the clients that we work with, they have no plans to return to the office, which is going to lead us to this like almost permanent remote environment. So mm -hmm. um, do you think it's more difficult to set boundaries? Um, you know, what's work time? What's personal time when we're all working from home? What do we do? How do we fix this? Yeah, it, it definitely has been a big challenge. And NordVPN did a study, this was early on in the pandemic, where on average, Americans were working an extra 20% every day. And my initial thought was, we finally found that 27 hour clock. Hallelujah. <laughs> We've been looking for that time. But what happened was, it, it, people basically traded in their commute time to work. So instead of getting up, getting cleaned up, dressed, driving to work, doing the work thing, and then going home and leaving, they don't do that. They just roll out of bed, you know, throw on a business looking shirt, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully pants. You know, we've seen some stories of that. Yes. Um, and, and for, you know, I'm fortunate where, you know, I don't have to do anything with my hair. It pretty much is as it is. So I, I can, I don't have to, 
toothbrush or comb or anything. But what's happening is they're, they're, people are waking up and they're going right into work mode. And it, it's a problem where it's like, you, you can't do that. You have to start off your day, go with routines that are good for you. Uh, get outside if you can. If you, It helps when you have a dog because even yep. during lockdown, you still had to go outside, wear a mask, do all the fun things. But you need to have some boundaries around your personal time and your work time. Now, we do know, and this is the reality of it, there are many of us that have school-aged children, so we have to educate our kids during the day, which coincides with our work day. And this is where the communication with your employer comes in and, and get HR involved if they have an HR team or the boss or the owner, whatever the case may be, and say, okay, here's the situation. This is what I'm facing. What can we do? Let's come up with some ideas on how I can continue to do the work that I need to do, get the tasks that I need to get done, done, and still be able to have the energy to do the other things they need to do at home. And those are conversations that need to happen more than they have been. And you know, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about the quote-unquote eight-hour day situation, but I, I think with this remote work, we see this a lot with the gig economy you hire somebody to work on a project or a task and you say this is how much we're paying you or we're allocating this many hours for the project if they spend two hours on it today or 12 hours on it today it, there's no difference in that doesn't matter it's like as long as they get the project done we we're still operating in this eight-hour workday mm -hmm. mentality, which that's not reality right now because it could be eight hours, but it might be an hour here, three-hour block here, a couple hours here, maybe another hour there. So, and, and it's going to vary by individual. And I think that's where the biggest challenge is for, with employers is we want people to work from this time to this time. Well, that may not be feasible for some people. And I know I just saw an article the other day where from a you know workforce environment there's some challenges coming up right now and it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out because parents or employees that have children have been getting some leeway as far as taking some time to work with the kids those employees that don't have kids they're not getting the same perks and that's not good when you have you know different tiers of perks for your employees because employees talk and they're like wait a minute this person is getting a two-hour block in the middle of their day and i don't have one because i don't have any kids um it's it, it it's and the, the the key thing to remember with all the stress and the burnout and employers are burning out and everyone else is as well this is all new territory for everybody so there's there's no rule book here um and it's going to be interesting to see years down the road what comes of this but to, to go back to your comment, there's a lot of organizations that are looking at remote work and are saying, this is what we're going to do now. And they're not looking back to go back into the office and they're trying to break their leases and, and get out of it because they realized that they can get employees to work without them being in a physical office. The key thing is you don't want them to be burned out because your productivity eventually is going to fall by the wayside and you may end up saying well we got to bring people back in the office when in reality you just need to reshape when work is supposed to be done and and how 
Yeah, it's so interesting. And I wanted to bring up that um, we recently had a CEO on the show that I thought did something really interesting for her people because in, in her people do talk to her. She has an amazing culture. And they were telling her about the, you know, trouble they were having with their kids being at home and having to tutor them and be teacher and all this kind of stuff when they didn't even know how to do the math problems, right? And so what she did as a CEO of that company is she went and hired tutors in all the different areas and created an online classroom for all of her employees' kids. That is amazing. That Isn't is that absolutely fun? amazing. Yeah. That is that is an organization that truly is, takes an opportunity to look and say, how can we make this better for our team? And that's one of those situations where if any of those employees ever decide to leave that organization, it's going to be a really difficult choice for them. It's not going to be an easy one where like the boss is a jerk, the coffee's lousy, whatever. It's going to be, wow, they actually care about me. So they may stick around for less pay. And because it's a better environment for them. And that's that's amazing. That is yeah. an amazing story. That's just one example of what she does. I won't go into all of it, but she has definitely set the benchmark for what it looks like to be a caring company and putting your employees first because without your employees, you don't have a company. Exactly. You don't have any products or services. You won't have any clients because you won't have anybody to be able to do any of it for you. Exactly. So yeah, take care of your people first so they yeah. can take care of your clients. So... We know that just because someone is experiencing burnout doesn't mean they're losing a passion for what they do. And I can give you a personal example of this. But how can an employee communicate to their manager that they're feeling burnout without communicating a lack of drive and ambition? Yeah, that's it's a really good conversation. And hopefully, it's like the organization you just mentioned where there's an open dialogue type of situation and not a situation where you talk to your boss at annual review time and that's the only time you ever see that person so hopefully there's more ongoing conversations but in that situation what you want to do you say okay you you want to be very humble of course you want to say okay i you know demonstrate the work that you've been doing and you know, give examples of the work that you've been doing and they're going to say yeah we, we you do a great job and then you just say, I, I've been feeling overwhelmed. I'm, I don't have a lack of motivation. I still have the drive. I, I strongly believe in this company. I'm thrilled that I'm an employee, but I'm feeling overwhelmed right now and, and, and share the reasons with it. And it might be if they've got an HR team, great. If not, then you know, directly with, with the boss is, is a great way to do it. And, and, and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some ideas. And because oftentimes people go in and say, I need time off because I'm this and this. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm looking for some ideas. These are things. And, and you can be, again, you be humble and say, I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to fall short on these things because I know how important they are to the company. And I want to make sure that I'm the best version of me so I don't make any mistakes. But I, I'm feeling concerned and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed right now with everything that's going on or whatever the situation and it doesn't have to be during a pandemic this could be a conversation you have at any time if you feel overwhelmed as an employee you should be able to have a way to communicate it but the best way to do it is again present it and frame it in such a way where you care about the company you want to continue being a great employee for that organization and you're seeking their guidance on what 
what can we do together to help with this situation? Because that gets buy-in from the employer saying, okay, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're not asking for something specific or a pay raise or something like that. They're, they're asking for help. Okay, what can we do to help? Um, and like the CEO you had mentioned, I have a pretty good idea what they would do in that situation. They would offer a variety of things. Would you, do you need, you want to take a day off? Do you want to switch to a four day work week? Not extra hours, but just to take that extra day to do stuff. Cause I've seen that with employers too, with, you know, someone that was going through a really nasty divorce and it was taking a toll on their job and they were sporadically taking time off and, and it was impacting their work. So their executive leader went to the employee and said, look, we love you as an employee. We know this is a temporary situation. We're concerned about the impact it's having on work. So what we're going to do over the next three months is you're going to have every Monday off. If you can schedule your meetings with your attorney on Mondays, then that way you've got a dedicated day to deal with it. So that way, Tuesday through Friday, you're here. And you don't have to worry about things. You say, I can deal with that next Monday. And it made all the difference in the world. They were able to navigate through the divorce and get everything wrapped up. And then they went back to their normal five-day work shift and everything was great. So it saved an employee um, and it, it, it really helped that employee as well go through a really challenging time. Again, that's another example of just strong human leadership. I love it. I love it. And I Believe it or not, we are running out of time, but I do want to hear about, wow. I know it goes so fast, doesn't it? It um, does. I, tell us very quickly about your Breakfast Leadership Podcast. I mean, you've done so well with this. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled with it. There was a prompt from a colleague of mine said, you should do a podcast. And it originally started as talking about burnout, but I bring in amazing thought leaders like you. Um, and a variety of others and talk about all kinds of different things that I know helps people take that next step to do something, or it could be just one nugget that could really improve somebody's lives. And, and, and I, that's the feedback I get from the show all the time. It's like, I heard your interview with this person and what they said about this really made an improvement in something I was dealing with. And I'm thinking, it's such a magical power. I love it. And I, and I know you love, I love this format. You love it too. It's amazing the impact that we can have just by having a conversation with somebody and, and people it. grow from and sharing it. That's the whole key. It's, it's giving, you know, it's, it's a way to give in a way. And I, I love it. So I've been doing it for over three years now and it's been an amazing journey so far. Congratulations. So I want to make sure that we get to ask you our VIP questions before we get out of here. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? I'd take my better half. Um, I would take my smartphone and a lifetime supply of whiskey. No, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Irish, you know. <laughs> Me too. I yeah, I, she's gonna be mad at me because there won't be any vodka there. But maybe she can ask for three things too. So we'll we'll see. Maybe so. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? What I do every day is I prepare my kitchen because I use a French press for coffee. So I make sure that the tea kettle is filled with water. The water cooler with the Brita filter in the fridge is filled. Everything's cleaned and put away. Um, so that way I get up in the morning, I just turn on the kettle, I put the coffee in the French press, I make it, uh, make breakfast, um, and it's a routine. And 
having that routine. I know a lot of people grimace and go, Mom telling me to pick out the clothes the night before. I get it. But you know what? If you don't have to think about it, then you can use your brain to think about creative things instead mm -hmm. of what am I going to wear or where did I put this or I didn't do this. Make it as simplistic as possible for you, the way it works for you, then that way it's, it's automatic and you don't have to think about it. You know, we don't think about it when we brush our teeth or get cleaned up. At least most people don't. Uh, we just do it. And if you can do more of those things in life to make your days simpler, it just makes the start of your day so much easier. The power of habit. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one. Okay, my final VIP question for you. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? How Michael took a year of worst case scenarios with burnout and saved the world. Ooh, save the world, huh? Go big or go home, you know? <laughs> I love it. Michael, how do people get in touch with you? Best way to find me is breakfastleadership.com or on social media, just look for the Be Fast Leadership. I tell people, do not put that on a license plate. Um, it's they, That's not good. Police will yell at you and, and give, you piece, <laughs> give you a piece of paper, and then you have to give them money for some reason. Cause, but yeah, breakfastleadership.com or Be Fast Leadership. I love it. I love it. Well, Michael, this has been, it has gone so quickly. It has been an amazing conversation, just like I knew it would be. But I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.